Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 125. It's television. I'm sick. I get to watch a lot of it. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Mr. Ross McQueen. Hey. Comma, hey. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Why the punctuation? Something different. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Not a reference to anything. No, but I uh, I noticed you were stealing my material before the show and I thought you won't probably say the comma, so <laughs> I thought I'd get in there before you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it's a, it's a competitive edition of Box Cutters today. It's, it's not usually, it's just that Brett was uh, very I, unsubtly staring and trying to read all my notes upside down before we went on air. So, Ross, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean we're not out to get you. <laughs> I'm fully aware of that, but I'm going to guard my notebook with close secrecy we've, uh, from now on. We've got a fantastic show. You can read show. that scroll anyway. <laughs> a fantastic show yes. ahead. Any guests? Mr. Tim Ferguson oh, fantastic. is coming in to talk to us about his experiences in Australian television and uh, and also a little bit about a uh, show he's going to be doing as part of the Comedy Festival next Saturday, the 29th of March. So he'll be in to talk about that. We've also got a review of the Channel 10 drama that started this week or that uh, premiered this week, Emerald Falls. The world premiere TV event. The world premiere non-ratings TV event <laughs> of the week. We've uh, we've got a whole bunch of pork. Uh, we don't have a box cutters quiz this week, or do we? No. No. We no. don't? No. No box cutters quiz this week. Brett and I decided before the show... <laughs> We're not getting enough entrance for the quiz, so until people start entering, there'll be no quiz. No, it doesn't make sense. Right, Ross, because if there's no... It makes perfect sense. No. Send your quiz entries to hooray at foxcutters.net. <laughs> anyway, the quiz is uh, thanks to Crumpler, uh, but we won't be having a quiz this week. Actually, send your quiz questions to hooray at foxcutters.net. Oh. Nice one. Nice if one. If I answer them, do I win a Crumpler bag? Mm. No. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, Ross, you cannot win a crumpler bag. Uh, but let's, however, kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. After much toing and froing and uh, and deciding and undeciding and changing the name of all of their stations, ABC has uh, decided not to go ahead with ABC three because they don't have enough funds for it. Mm. Kind of a, a decision that was taken out of their hands. Yeah, pr- pr- pretty much. Well, they they don't have the funds. Uh, it was supposed to be a, a commercial free. Venture like all ABC programs, uh, all ABC stations. It was going to be based uh, aimed squarely at kids, wasn't it? Well, yep. uh, viewers under seventeen. Yeah. So yeah, kids and and young adults, uh, and and it was supposed to go ahead uh, last November. They announced it was supposed to start next month, and it's been shelved until uh, further resources can be found for it. And they're not going to be able to find further resources for it until 
next year, 2009, there's a budget review for the ABC. So they're going to be looking at how they can get money for ABC3 then. And basically out of that, the former Howard government had promised uh, $82 million over four years to fund the channel. Uh, The uh, Labor governments uh, did say that uh, they were going to do it and then put it on ice mid-campaign, so before the election, um, with the increases in uh, interest rates. Now, you can actually... They, they started broadcasting on the frequency that they're going to use. So you yep. can actually pick up ABC3, which is actually ABC1. It's very confusing. Yeah, well, so it goes 1, 2, 1. Yeah, that, that it's doesn't... It's just a sense. placeholder. You don't have to actually switch onto it. No, but you can. And you get you don't confused. Have to. You think, ah, 1, that's the first one. 2, clearly. And then you think, ah, I'm back to 1 again. You really? Think, you yeah, get confused? I do. I think there's something wrong with my remote control. Really? No. I- I think this is a this is a horrible thing for for Australian television. I think ABC Three was was going to be great, and uh, ABC traditionally has had great children's, young persons, and young adults viewing. And a dedicated station was going to be a really important part of the Australian television landscape. I, I think it would probably affect ABC Two a lot too, because they do have a lot of that already. I think from ten until two during the day, they show kids TV. Anyway, they show old episodes of Degrassi and Press Gang and that sort of thing. So presumably all that would go on to ABC3 and come off ABC2. So it would mean big changes for ABC2 as well. And I, I don't understand... I, I mean, obviously this has got also something to do with why the uh, current government has hidden the report into the ABC uh, until, what was it, 2030? Uh, yeah, some of that. But I, like I, I think mm. that I think that that actually goes beyond what this is. Uh, this was going to be additional funding, um, and because of uh, the state of the economy, uh, it's not going ahead. But I, I, I do believe that uh, the ABC generally, like put ABC three aside, uh, definitely needs more funding. Well, and the thing is, uh, children's programming has been a, a major money spinner for the ABC as well. Things like uh, Bananas in, in Pyjamas and Johnson and & Friends and things like that that the uh, the ABC has... I think Johnson & Friends was uh, ABC produced. Uh, definitely Bananas in Pyjamas uh, and the first series of The Wiggles as well. Mm-hmm. These have gone on to huge international sales and have done very well for the ABC, making money for the ABC. Wouldn't a small investment up front end up being a huge windfall for for the ABC and just perpetuate that. That's my theory. Mm. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think you're, you're talking about the very very successful shows. I'm assuming they're not all as successful as Bananas in Pajamas, for example. Well, well no. What about the ill-mentioned chair seat show? <laughs> I, I, don't know. I tried to. I reached down for something. Nothing came up. But yeah. Think of a think of an imaginary show that they didn't make up that they didn't put on air. No, never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. Well, that that, that, that would have been. That yeah. I know with uh, Richard Feidler. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Vulture. <laughs> That's not really a kid's show. Yeah, not really a kid's no, show. No, but, but anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you talk about the, the potential profits that the ABC can make. That's not what the ABC is about. Uh, well, um, no, and, and no. The government putting putting a, an investment into the ABC for a new ABC uh, Kids channel isn't going to help the government out, and it's not going to help uh, their their economic uh, reputation if they can't keep the surpluses up that uh, they've promised to. 
if the ABC could be more self-reliant, that can only be a good thing for the ABC. Mm, yeah, then you guys start going down the path of the ABC has to have commercials. No, no, it, it doesn't. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying they, if, they, you, if you put the money into them producing shows that uh, can make lots of money for the ABC, then the ABC in the long term is less of a drain on the, the government's funding. That's that's the way I see it, but maybe potentially I'm, I'm being once things are settled down and uh, inflation and interest rates aren't going up, then uh, maybe some forward thinkers can look at that. Sh- sure. Oh, look, there's uh, pigs flying out the window. You can, you can put it, uh, bring it up at the 2020 uh, summit. <laughs> I, I will. I, I don't know which uh, which part of it I'm chairing yet, but uh, I'm sure to find out. Channel 9 is set to revive classic game show Wheel of Fortune. Uh, the sad news about this is they're using host Tim Campbell. Uh, Tim was last seen hosting National Bingo Night on Channel 7, oh. which means the real story here is no more National Bingo Night. That's that's terrible. That is, that's a shame. As, especially considering that... Uh, People are just angry about National Bingo Night as a whole. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's stories about National Bingo Night not uh, n- not having the same balls that they showed going through the tube, mm. coming out of uh, I- into the the ladies' hands. Yeah, and I think I think Brett's got a bit more to say about this uh, in relation to something that happened on Sunrise a little mm. while ago, but uh, or during the week. But just quickly on Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Fortune was axed. To make way for deal or no deal. Yes. So why does Channel Nine think, therefore, that Wheel of Fortune will beat Deal or No Deal? This is—they're going down the exact same path they went down with uh, Bert's Family Feud, which was a, a stunning failure for them. They—they they need some new, interesting, innovative ideas here. Trying to steal old shows isn't. You know, it isn't going to work. Yeah, but new, interesting, innovative ideas isn't the Channel Nine way, Ross. No. No, it isn't. Uh, the The thing about Wheel of Fortune is it has great gameplay. As far as a game show goes, it is uh, very watchable and uh, and a lot of fun to play along with, mm. which Deal or No Deal does not have. Plus, Deal or No Deal has been doing a little bit worse in, in the ratings. I, I think you're overestimating the audience. I think the audience like to play along to Deal or No Deal. Really? Case number 17. Oh, I would never have said that. <laughs> I would have said case number three. See? $50,000 was in case number three. I'd be rich. <laughs> I think uh, Wheel of Fortune's too clever. Right. Although apparently uh, some of the programs at Channel 7 have been in a bit of uh, hot water because of uh, passing up on the rights to uh, Wheel of Fortune as well as uh, So You Think You Can Dance and uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. Um, mm. There seem to have been some programming decisions over at Seven that uh, haven't been popular with the uh, the head of the network. But the thing is, everyone misses out on on things. Every, everyone it. everyone passes on something. Uh, you look at the the people at, at Penguin who passed on uh, on on Harry Potter, and sure they're kicking themselves. And uh, but it happens. You get an idea, you don't think it's going to fly, you go with it and uh, somebody picks it up and it turns out to be a hit, but there's no way to actually know that. Uh, but yes, of course, Channel 7 are going to be kicking themselves over it, especially Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, which who thought, like who would have thought it would be the juggernaut that it has been for Channel 9? It's it's superb. What have you got on uh, Sunrise? Uh, well, Sunrise got ambushed uh, by angry protesters 
I'm, I'm doing the little air quotes air, air quotes. thing there. Uh, chanting Channel Seven doesn't pay, which was actually about uh, the contestants on the National Bingo Night uh, not being paid their prize money because uh, their particular segments didn't go to air. What an absolute crock of shit! This has always been the way for hundreds and hundreds of years. As long as television has been around, this has always been the way it's worked since since the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. If if your episodes don't go to air, you don't get your money. Mm-hmm. That's the way it's always been. Yeah. It's always the release that's that's signed by the contestants before they go on. See, now I don't understand why Today Tonight aren't roping up anybody that's been on any axed Channel Nine show and just doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing there would be as many or more from Channel Nine that they could find. Well, Ch- Channel Nine's had heaps of, uh, of of game shows that they've recorded thirty episodes of, but only aired four. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it's common practice in the industry. I don't I don't understand. Wait, well, I mean, I understand why Channel Nine are going so hard after it, but it's such a ridiculous beat up. Mm. Mm, it's is, like people. Absolutely. It's like people complaining that they didn't get their t-shirts from the early episodes of Box Cutters. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, obviously, it does uh, kind of drum up some publicity, regardless of whether it's good or bad. Uh, for a current affair, I mm. believe uh, was was the uh, camera crew uh, involved with that. But I, I also think it's uh, it, it, it's quite underhanded and and really speaks quite badly of. Uh, a current affair who I'm guessing organised for these people to go to the Sunrise uh, audience out on the street mm. and uh, and, I, and I chant. think you'll find the uh, the term you're to, uh, searching for is Bricky Central. Bricky Central. They organised them to go to Bricky Central. <laughs> right. So yes, they they did. They organised for them to go to Bricky Central and and do this chant. I think that's just r- ridiculous attempt at tiny sabotage. It's just silly. And uh, and it is it's school ground tactics. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, just grow up, a current <laughs> affair. All right. Speaking of of growing up, we've been talking uh, a little bit about swearing on uh, on television at uh, odd times, and mentioned Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, which is a huge one for uh, dropping swear words throughout. Mm-hmm. The, the series, uh, a parliamentary committee has uh, started to investigate the frequency and uh, of usage of swear words on television. This has been launched by the Australian Federal Opposition. Oh, I wish they'd just shut up. Like, they lost the election. They're not in power. <laughs> they had 11 and a half years to do stuff. They could have fixed it. Yes, just, exactly. Just have a few months off. Yeah, no, they, uh, they, they, they're really... Going at it, looking at the uh, the broadcasting code of practice, and trying to work out if it works, how it works, and uh, if it doesn't, why it doesn't work. So, as well as the uh, swearing, the, the inquiries to look into program classifications, how they reflect on the content shown, and the effectiveness of public uh, complaints process, because it uh, it can be up to six months before you actually get a response from. Uh, ACMA, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, as to uh, what's happened with the complaint when that's filed. Six months. Six months. And it's all a Hillsong front. Hillsong, was it? Oh, no, no, just, just a Christian Just, just a Christian, Christian front. front. Right. What, right, ACMA? A, no, Free, Free TV Australia, who are <laughs> clearly a, a, a side arm of ACMA. Yeah. Clearly. 
Mm. Clearly. The inquiry's uh, findings will be handed down in June at some point. I was uh, chatting with David Knox earlier today and uh, and talking about how much power we have. And, uh, of course, this, uh, this, this inquiry has come about because mm. the last couple of weeks I, I talked about how often they say shit on Fattest Loser. Right. All because of that. All because of that. Speaking of... Uh, I wouldn't of- have thought the Liberals... We're big box cutters fans. Huge, huge box cutters fans. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be all the positive things we have to say We're about opinion the, leaders. The, the former Prime Minister. Well, and uh, and and uh, and uh, Senator Parrott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For example, look at uh, more of our influence. Uh, Channel 9 has axed the mint, according to David Knox's site uh, TV tonight. Uh, the last so we won. show... The last show... It yeah. took close to two years, but we finally we've, got... We finally won. We've seen off... Quiz Monkey, we've seen off Midnight Zoo, we've seen off the Up Late Game Show, we've seen up, uh, seen off Hot Dogs Up Late. Yep, they're all gone, and, yes, the, and now yes. the Mint. Although, the mint is gone. You know, just in the last month, I've I've mentioned this a couple of times uh, about how desperate they were looking and and wind dropping uh, the broadcast of the show, which of course uh, reduced their their potential income stream uh, because not as people were watching the show and not as people could ring in. So. It'll be replaced by television. So we're all the winners. Yes, uh, drama and uh, stuff. One of the things... One of the things that Dramas get, and movies. One of the things they're, they're going to replace with is uh, The Wire. A, a newer season of The Wire will be coming to Channel 9 from midnight on some night of the week. Which is what they used to do. They used to have a show that didn't fit into their regular programming and then Letterman. Yes, which is how, how I first saw Freaks and Geeks and The Wire. Mm. Yeah, although Freaks and Geeks... Progressively got later and later yeah, yes. till it was sort of 4 a.m. Uh, Donald Trump is uh, possibly in trouble. Uh, aspiring model Chanel Elaine Hallett has uh, has been exposed by website TMZ. She's uh, she's an, a 17 year old aspiring model, and photos have surfaced of her promoting Trump vodka. At a uh, at a Super Bowl party, is I mean, is there anything uh, is there anything this person doesn't have his name on? Uh, he makes n- just about everything. Uh, th- this is this is uh, Trump box cutters. Did you know that? No, I, I right? just, <laughs> no, I never knew that. That just happened. All oh, right, I see. Uh, no, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have this as Trump. He would just rip it off. Oh get, yeah, yeah, get three other people. Trump, uh, he'd call it Trump cutters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the seventeen year old girl was naked except for body paint, and apparently was serving and drinking the vodka. Uh, the thing I like most, of, oh, and she's now trying to peddle her story for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which uh, uh, as yet no one had actually paid. Surprisingly enough, uh, mm. the thing I love most about this story is. Uh, Donald Trump's representative responded that uh, the girl in question crashed the party and just happened to have her whole body painted with Trump vodka logos. <laughs> I mean, she didn't have Trump vodka written on her chest in texter or something. <laughs> Do you know how long this body painting takes? And surprisingly enough, she she matched all the other aspiring models in the room who were naked, painted, and giving out the vodka. So uh, I, I don't know how she uh, how she got the what heads a coincidence. up. Coincidence. <laughs> she got the heads up as to uh, what design of paint they'll be wearing. But uh, yeah, given the circumstances, we can only assume she crashed the event to seek publicity for herself. The rep right. said, and that's, Trump vodka. Yes, that's a uh, that's a great uh, that's a great Just excuse. Blaming the victim. Mm. 
Speaking of Trump vodka, do you remember that uh, series of The Apprentice where they had Trump water? They they were trying to sell Trump water. Yeah. What happened to that? Where's that gone? Well, it's still around in The Apprentice. Is it? Yeah, yeah. That's that's all they drink when they're drinking water. Is, is Trump <laughs> They've got to get water. rid of all those cases somehow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was on uh, Trump was on Letterman a few weeks ago, and they were asking him. Letterman was saying, "Oh, you look fantastic." You know, how much did that tie cost you? Probably more than a year's wages for me and Trump, of course. Oh, it's a Trump signature tie. Right. So, yeah. He does love he does love his name. Mm. Uh, Ice TV is looking to go back into, into court. Channel 9 apparently are appealing against the Ice TV ruling that uh, Ice TV actually won earlier this year, late last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't remember the the exact time. No Late doubt. last year. Late yeah. last year, uh, and uh, yes, uh, nine are arguing that uh, ICTV still is infringing its copyright by compiling information relating to programs it puts to air using skill and labour. ICTV are still saying they predict what's going to be on air using uh, the, uh, the the processes available to them. Uh, just let it go. I don't see why Channel Nine. Are keeping on at this, uh, no doubt. Now that they have uh, their other free view, or is it fair view that we were talking about last week? Mm. Uh, now, now that they're looking at that, and Ice TV is going to be a competitor to that, or, or that's going to be a competitor to, to Ice TV. They're looking at uh, other ways around it, but competition is good in this industry. Mm. I and mean, we, we had Mark Edwards in here talking about that and saying how they want the competition just. Let them have it. Let the best product win. What about TV? What about websites? Can websites reprint the the program schedule? Uh, yes. Well, you know they they send out the program schedule. I get an email of uh, of the Channel Nine program schedule every week. So what's the difference? But from Channel Nine or from where? I get it. I get it from Channel Nine for for use on this show. So I get to talk about their programming on this show because they send me an email so I can find out in advance. Now I don't read it cause it's really boring reading and, uh, and I, I don't give a crap cause nothing in there is going to be true anyway. Everything's going to be late, but, uh, th- they still, they do it. They publish this for use. It seems like fair use to me. It just, it just, it just seems ridiculous, especially yep. given the fact that, uh, you know, if it's not Ice TV, it'll be somebody else. Yes. And, and if it's not sooner, it'll be later. You know, it, you know, it's uh, it's it's finger in the dike kind of stuff. Like yeah. it's all going to just go, come splashing over their heads sooner or later. Speaking of Channel Nine's ridiculous uh, legal wranglings, oh, here we go. <clears throat> uh, they're fighting back against allegations of sex discrimination uh, raised by their reporter Christine Spateri in a case before the federal court. Um, Nine are seeking to have, uh, or nine may seek to have the allegations about uh, the sex discrimination struck out of her statement of claim, uh, which is part of her claim of breach of contracts and uh, pursuing damages of a bit over uh, almost $600,000. In Spateri's claim she alleged she was subjected to a hostile work environment in which she was judged as unable to engage in serious journalism on the basis of her sex and other female journalists were discussed as sex objects uh, so I don't know on, on what grounds but Channel 9 are, are seeking to just have that struck out of what which she's is, claiming which is, which is pretty much her whole case yeah pr- pretty much and this <laughs> is this is how 
this is another example of how Channel 9 are the new Channel 7. Not only are they second in the ratings, but uh, they're also uh, just going to spend all of their money and time in court, which is what Channel 7 did. When Channel 7 stopped doing that, they found that they could actually put their resources into producing television that people wanted to watch. Why don't Channel 9 learn from those mistakes? You lost these court cases. Just get out while the getting's good and uh, and spend that money on producing good television. Surely that's the way it should be done. But is is that uh, is it possible for uh, what, what's now the, the Channel 9 corporate culture to be able to see the uh, logic of that and actually go down that path? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a hard thing to... To know, especially now that they have a new corporate culture, there's a, a well, there there isn't a new boss in town. There are new several bosses in town, and uh, they they just don't know which way to turn. And I think it's going to be very difficult for them to to get out of that. But it's what they need to do. There's a, a lot of talent there, and uh, we we saw this week as well. The chopping block uh, has been sold to NBC in the US. So that's again proof that they have talent in their stable they can come up with the ideas they can create successful shows they should be working at that and working at making television uh they're going down the line that a lot of businesses forget which is we should do what we do best i think channel Nine's going to take a while to learn that lesson again and that is the box cutters news this is uh jess mcguire and you're listening to the lovely men of box cutters Always here to helpfully inform you of any existence of photos of Britney Spears giving birth on all fours, clutching lion's heads. Love nothing better. Download the hell out of it. We're very excited to have in the Box Cutters studio the one, the only star of stage and screen, Mr. Tim Ferguson. Hey! Hey! Hi! (laughs) Welcome! Hi, guys. Hi, Josh. Hi, lads, ladies. (laughs) This place is full for the listeners who aren't here. You have to imagine... A luxurious cocktail bar. This is very special. And tuxedos, I feel totally spoiled. Mm. They can uh, they can actually see it on the video podcast. Oh. The, yeah, but the, we, we do have there, the, there uh, no video the, the very quiet uh, studio audience. We, we actually have uh, uh, Brian Nankervis going around shh-ing everybody. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I tried to, you know, when, when setting up box cutters and, and we were talking about what we were going to do, I really tried to, to think about recreating the Playboy After Dark old series with <laughs> Hugh Hefner. And uh, just have guests, have the you know the great jazz legends of the time come in and, and stuff. And they come in, but they just sit by the side and shut up. Mm. It's, it's, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. Not just amazing, it goes that extra inch. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tim, you're, uh, you're, you're here primarily, well, es- essentially, next Saturday afternoon, uh, which would be Saturday the 29th of March, you're going to be appearing at the Melbourne Town Hall as part of the Comedy Festival uh, moderating the panel for Axed. Yeah, Axed is a show uh, the comedy festival have invented, which is um, a whole bunch of funny people uh, telling an audience the shows that they tried to get onto television but failed to get on television. Because we're living in Australia, which has a tiny audience. The average IQ, by the nature of IQ, is 100, which means the audience you have to appeal to has an IQ of 100, which is okay. They can add, they can spell, but they're not so good on quantum physics human. So <laughs> it's about uh, generating concepts that will appeal to people who are just generally smart. 
And uh, it's, of course, never going to work in a country like Australia where we'd rather throw footballs at each other. So it's going to be about the car crash ideas, which just could never have worked, otherwise known as the good ideas that would work anywhere else in the world. <laughs> now, you, you worked as a, as a producer and, and uh, you uh, were also commissioning comedy for Channel 9 at, at one stage. Scary. What, what are the uh, greatest ideas that never got by you? All mine. Right. My <laughs> ideas, I don't even say what they are anymore. It's a waste of time. There were, there, uh, I think the, the reality thing threw everybody for just a spin. About 10 years ago, reality was everything and it was going to be the future, which it has become. But, of course, what that meant was that there was no development meeting or a pitching meeting you could go to that you could push something that wasn't reality. Here's light entertainment. Light entertainment doesn't work anymore. People have gone off light entertainment. It will never come back. Uh, and then so then they started predicting the death of reality. Reality is dying. Five years from now, reality will be dead. There'll be no reality. Well, of course, <laughs> really, what we have today, I think, is a healthy mix. Bit of light entertainment. You've got Paul Mercutio with uh, Good News Week. Just a wonderful job for such a short man. It's interesting. And- <laughs> But you've also got your big reality classics like the thing where they attach it to a lie detector. <laughs> but I, I did come up, I, did, I was involved in one show which we made with Grundy's. We, we made a lot of weird things, but we put this thing together. It was called Little Aussie Battlers. And what it was, I mean, I should have seen it coming, was babies and toddlers getting them to compete. So we'd like get five babies <laughs> who were like, you know, two months old, old enough to wriggle and lie them in and just see if they could wriggle across a line that was only a foot away. And there were these commentators and sports commentary <laughs> and how you're going and really bad post-match interviews. And Sounds like gladiators. <laughs> oh, it was like gladiators <laughs> with nappies. And it went to air once. <laughs> and I think, I don't know who it was, but I imagine they'd just come out of Hillsong and they were outraged <laughs> and they sat down at their typewriters, which they still use, and sent in a few letters to the newspapers pointing out what we should have realised, which is, you know, you, you can't race babies. <laughs> Whereas now, exploitation of children is, is what television's all about. Oh, God, we were talking about that this morning. People who put their babies on the front page of the newspaper... I think that's a very creepy way to go about life by making yourself famous through your non-speaking infants. <laughs> it's, I mean, what if you grow up as a child being, hey, you know, you're Bertie Fertelson, Bertie Fertelson, and you spend the whole of your life being Bertie Fertelson. <laughs> He's not even famous. <laughs> uh, so you... Uh, you started on, on our television screens as part of Doug Anthony All-Stars. Mm. We saw you on Big Gig, uh, and then we saw you on Big Gig, then we saw you on Big Gig, and every week we saw you on Big Gig and people would tune in mm. to Big Gig, especially how it works. to <laughs> see the Doug Anthony All-Stars. This, you basically entered into the, uh, the, the uh, fame stratosphere of, of Australian television very quickly. Uh, that, that was kind of simple because there was nobody. In fact, if you look at television now, it's exactly the same. There's not much you see on air that takes the breath out of the room, you know, because it's a, it's a, television is really quite clever in that it wants to appeal to as many people as possible. So there's very rarely a whole five minute stretch where you're just going, oh, 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 
it's not laughter, but what the... Can, I don't know if you can even do that. I can't even do that in the bathroom, you know. And it was, so it was kind of easy because we just went on here and, you know, said things that were only offensive, not funny. They were just basically offensive. And so it was inevitable that people would warm to us. <laughs> and then uh, th- there have been shows that have tried to recreate the big gig and just haven't succeeded, despite their, their being, you know, quite good or at least very similar to, to the way it was. We had stand-up, which only lasted, uh, I think, one season. Yeah, they uh, should do that again. That's crazy not to do. That should be on all the time, every night. That was brilliant. It, it, mm. it was great. And then uh, the, the sideshow more recently, which I, I don't think was as brilliant. Uh, but uh, But why do you think that we can't get that feeling back that we had with the big gig? Executive regulation. The ABC, like uh, all of the others, uh, SBS is the only uh, standout in this, but all of the others have uh, experienced executives who like to get their hands dirty making the TV. And so what you can end up with is too many cooks and they can spoil the broth. I think it should be softer. I think it should be harder. You'll get both of those messages at a meeting and you walk out with what? Um, And so... There's a lot of pressure from executives to rate the way they want to rate and things that are just flat-out offensive um, are just going to make people, they think, turn off. So uh, at the end of the day, I would blame executives more than anyone else because they live in terror. Right. And so that that, uh, happens even with external production companies. Uh, Oh, God, yeah, even more so. Yeah? Because... Uh, it's all happening remotely. So execs are always on the phone saying, what are you doing? And I didn't like this and I didn't like that. And uh, most of those likes and dislikes come from their kids or their spouses and not from travelling out to Broadmeadows to ask Mrs Smith what she thinks. Yep. And so the good ones, for example, uh, Ted Robinson, who's a great producer, will on the whole just stand his ground and say, you just got to trust me. People love a confetti cannon. This, yeah, this is how I do it. The confetti cannon's been working for 100 years, and it'll keep working, and it does. Someone turns at 11 every day. But it is, uh, there's so much politics going on behind the scenes, even with light entertainment and comedy, mm-hmm. that that's the thing that can, you know, turn things sour. And then after a while, the performers are second-guessing themselves. You know, they don't like, somebody doesn't like it when I wave my hands. Should I stop using my hands? You know. The only thing you can do is just ignore executives because at the end of the day, they're not really that scared of you. They're scared of, you know, whatever's above them. And, and ignoring executives seems to be what, what you did with Das Kapital. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> executives didn't even talk to us. Oh, we had one brief and that was make a cult show. We sat down and thought, what's cult? Well, that's about 5% of viewers, for starters. Okay, so how do we get rid of everyone else? (laughs) (laughs) And it worked, a treat. Although Das Kapital, which was, if you haven't seen it, it was the Doug Anthony All-Stars in space, in a museum, a space museum containing all of the artefacts of the world. I'm not sure why, but it's (laughs) probably a good thing. And so... Uh, it was us trying to kill each other. It didn't really make any sense. Occasionally there'd be a song that was totally incongruous to whatever the hell was going on. So it had all the elements to turn off a lot of people. Uh, but over time, with it's been playing on Foxtel religiously and, you know, there's a, a bigger audience for it now than there was when we first did it. 
And and you also uh, it also involved uh, Flacco and uh, and Bob the Violent American, mm, who is now one of Hollywood's biggest writers. Oh, really? Has dinner with you know, what's his name? The little guy, Danny, D- Danny DeVito, DeVito, and hangs with Russ. Nearly got the job of writing the Da Vinci Code, but whew, thank God didn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, who you'd never know which one of your mates is going to end up richer than you. <laughs> <laughs> what's his What's his name? What's his uh, Michael Petroni? Right, he's gone bald, which is the only thing that <laughs> lets me sleep at night. Uh, the uh, comedy festival is also doing a, a series of uh, film nights at Fed Square and. Uh, one of the nights is comedians talking about their favourite bits from sitcoms. And apparently the, the first replies, the first two replies they got were both about comedians and how much they loved Dust Capital. So, oh, well, see, comedians would, because they're such contrary bastards. You know, <laughs> I want to like the show that nobody else does. Well, good on you, comedians. Good on you. <laughs> uh, but it, it it lasted one season, two seasons? Yeah, two, two mighty seasons. Two mighty seasons. And was that a co-production as well? No, Did, no, no. That was all ABC. It, it was quite miraculous that Das Kapital ever happened. It was science fiction, and we were doing it before a live studio audience with... Up to, I think, seven hours was the longest shoot, starting at, you know, in the evening. So we had the audience sitting there at two o'clock in the morning, going, come on, guys, whip you guys up, get ready to laugh at Richard. Okay, get ready to fake laughing at Richard. (laughs) Three, two, you're on. So, uh, and, you know, special effects and things that nobody ever said, we can't do that. They just said, what do you want to do? Okay, I think we can do that. We'll find someone who can. And has there been any talk to to release those series on DVD? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the next thing. First up, the All-Stars are finally releasing a DVD, uh, which is called Das Gold. It'll be out, you know, as soon as, you know, as whenever, okay? Don't ask me <laughs> in the street if you bump into me. It'll be out soon enough, and it's uh, series one and two of the big gig, just the All-Stars segments. Oh, great. And then there'll be series three and four and Das Kapital and, you know, a journey around my mother and all the great, great moments in All-Stars history. And so have you guys got together uh, to do a commentary for that at all? Well, that's what I'm... Do you guys still talk? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm madly phoning everybody about because, you know, they're frightfully busy. Richard's in Brisbane doing radio for old people and Paul's, (laughs) um, he's, you know, doing Good News Week and... Obviously, wearing pumps as often as get away with that. But they're very busy people, hard to get a hold of. But yeah, we'll do a commentary track. Um, they haven't seen a lot of the footage since it was actually put together. I've been locked in an edit booth. So um, I think we'll just press play and press record, and a lot of it will be groans and, oh my God, and oh, that was your fault. <laughs> so it should be an interesting comedy track. Well, that's, that's no doubt going to be very popular because I remember a, a couple of years ago. Uh, there were uh, Doug Anthony All-Stars memorabilia being sold on eBay for, for heaps and heaps of money. Signed copies of book were, uh, were, were being put out for heaps of money on eBay. People, if you want this stuff, you just have to talk to me. <laughs> you know, there are boxes of this stuff somewhere in the world. I don't have it, but I'm sure Paul or Richard have all that stuff. We just give it to you. Why go on eBay? It's embarrassing. There was. It was like a book went for five, six hundred bucks the other day. Paul called me breathless. I said, look, darling, sit down. 
get over yourself. But, you know, obviously that's very hard when you can, <laughs> your head barely reaches the bench. <laughs> Enough short jokes. He's not that short. <laughs> and then uh, you, you next appeared on our screens uh, in Funky Squad. The uh, oh. Back then it was... Uh, it was Already a, a Working Dog production yep. uh, that uh, Working Dog did after Frontline. Only mm. lasted one season. One glorious season. And I can kind of tell why. Because even as we were making it, we all sort of knew, is this funny? No, it looks funny. Okay. And so we made it. And it definitely did look funny. It, it looked, it did look funny. But not many gags. Because it was just like making Starsky and Hutch. Like the scripts were straight. You know, it was, apart from the odd, you know, street lingo, it was performed straight, it was done straight, the scripts were good, strong stories. So, effectively, we're just making a 70s cop show. Well, and it, and it seems like a miss for, for them, which was mm. really, really odd, because they haven't had one before or since. That was my work. They right. should have kept Rob Sidge. <laughs> Rob had to go overseas for a while. He was to at go Harvard. To, to Harvard yeah. to become even more of a doctor or a businessman or whatever it was. And, you know, they made the grave mistake of not going with Jamoan in the role that I eventually <laughs> took. See, whereas I think they actually made the grave mistake of trying to transport a very funny radio sketch into a, a TV show. More with- gags would have t- made it a whole different kind of show. Yeah, yeah. Which is what people expected from the radio. But it was, uh, it was great fun to make. So whether people enjoyed it or not was for me and remains for me a secondary issue because it was just a hoot. Hanging around with Jane Kennedy for six weeks was good enough for me. And, and that uh, that get, did get sold into at least one other market. I actually saw it in the UK. And oh, they, right. they'd cut out the, the fake ads of it, interestingly. Oh, right, because of maybe the products Which- are still available there. I, I suspect they just didn't understand that they weren't actually ads. Of course, because they're only English. You know, look what happened to the ride. That was all going well till they, you know, they can't handle that. The English, they don't get comedy. Mm. Yeah, they don't know how to do it. No, no, never been funny. Now, we were talking earlier in the news about uh, Wheel of Fortune is being revived on Channel 9. Channel 9 seem to love reviving their old shows. Do you think there's any chance of them reviving Don't Forget Your Toothbrush? The trouble with Don't Forget Your Toothbrush is it, it costs an absolute fortune. Uh, like for one segment, we'd have... no. In fact, I'll tell you the story. The first meeting with Peter Entertainment, Wynn, who was producing, um, he stood at the whiteboard and wrote, spend, spend, spend on the whiteboard. <laughs> Underline and said, that's what this show is about. <laughs> And, of course, I'd just come from, you know, the BBC where nobody ever mentioned money. And so I figured, that makes sense. Of course, it's going to be spend, spend, spend. That's good. No one ever talks about budget in the UK. And so, you know, whatever we came up with, we could do. So we'd have helicopters, two or three, hovering around the nation over houses, tanks ready to blow up, cars loaded with dynamite, stealing things. We had a a crew of 70 so th- that's the main trouble with toothbrush is how much it costs. It costs mm. an arm and a leg. But mm. great fun to make because you can just do whatever you like. Once you know about people, because they fill out little forms saying, I like this, I go here, I have, uh, you know, I stuffed my pet bat when I was eight. Ding! There we get the bat. <laughs> Steal the bat, call the mother, get it in, you know, and blow it up. 
<laughs> it was, uh, yeah, huge amount of fun, but a little bit exy, whereas I think Wheel of Fortune is going to be cheaper. Yeah. You just sausage them out. Yeah. I hope Larry M does hosting. No, no, uh, it's going to be Tim Campbell. Oh, I like Tim Campbell. Mm. As much as Larry? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're both nice guys. That's what you need in that job, is someone who you're just going to like. Yeah, because well, well, um, Wheel of Fortune replaced, it was replaced by Deal or No Deal, and now Channel mm. 9's bought it to go up against Deal or No Deal. It doesn't seem to make much logical sense. It, you never know, it might just work. It's a compelling mm. show, it's worked for years. Mm. Um, just when you think, well, we won't do that because you've seen it before, you get a new host like Tim, put him in there. He brings a new face to it, and you know it's television to chop carrots by. Well, mm. Channel Channel Nine are doing this thing at the moment that they haven't had to do for for a long time because they're losing the ratings to to Channel Seven. And you spent a lot of time in the uh, in the Channel Nine corridors. Uh, but what they're doing is is putting things up against Channel Seven shows, trying to steal their audience rather than trying to make the good shows that will actually bring the audience to them. Uh, they're putting Navy Seaboat. Uh, what's the real Sea Patrol, sea patrol. Sea patrol. Uh, Liberal voters in uniform that yes. one <laughs> yes yeah. they're, they're putting that uh, on uh, Monday night Sea nights. Patrol colon the coup ah oh, that's right it's, yes. it's subtitled now right and they're going to put that on uh, Monday nights what? they're, they're the- calling the Rudd uh, government win a coup <laughs> <laughs> in, I don't know what he's talking about I don't know that's uh, not unusual no <laughs> uh, they're putting that on Monday nights in the uh, in the same time slot that City Homicide is usually in so they're really trying to, to compete with, with Channel 7. I think they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot with, uh, with a lot of this. It's hard to know at the moment. Um, nine have great people. I mean, the, their crews, their producers are, you know, top-of-the-line supreme workers. And so if anyone can turn it around, it will be the people who didn't go to 7. So it will be the non-executives who stayed at nine who can really make it happen. They've got all the resources. They've got the national coverage. If anyone can turn it around, I reckon these new nine guys can. They bring in a whole bunch of guys from the UK and the US um, who are going to, you know, develop new shows. So, I mean, I wouldn't say fingers crossed for any of the commercial networks, but if anybody can do it, um, because, you know, I like working with the commercial networks and I can't pick favourites, but I think nine could get back to number one. You only need a bit of this, a bit of that, and for the Commonwealth Games to be crap for suddenly the whole world to turn upside down. And the Commonwealth Games, ladies and gentlemen, are crap. <laughs> do, you th- do you think that's uh, actually still within Nine's potential with the, the shift of culture to a, to a corporate owner now as opposed to Kerry kind of scaring the shit out of everybody around well, the station? The f- somebody put it to me very well. They said, when Kerry was alive... We were all terrified of him. Yeah. We knew what to be scared of if something didn't go well. Now we're just terrified of the audience because they're in charge, whereas with Kerry, Kerry would say, I don't care if that doesn't rate. We lost that, but I want that on yeah. because we get clout from that, like the Sunday program. Whereas without Kerry there, it is harder to know just where the buck stops. But even that said, a, a good, you need one good programmer Three good producers, and all of a sudden, you're the conquering heroes. So, I wouldn't count nine out just yet. But but it doesn't. Every ship does need a captain, and uh, and I think yeah. that's something that uh, Channel Nine need to find again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it would be nice for a good to have a good captain in Melbourne as well. Um, just to, uh, I think Melbourne's always been the engine room of nine, and so I think they. 
they should be a bit more Melbourne-centric than they have been, and maybe that'll be part of the of the comeback. And there's not all that much to come back. I no. mean, 50,000 viewers here, 30,000 there. You know, Mildura didn't tune in tonight, and, oh, my God, that's a crisis. But only in the green guide, not for nine. Everybody's making money. Yeah. You... um. You also uh, went on to produce a show for TV One on Foxtel. Is, is that right? Shock Jock was, uh, was produced yeah. for TV One? Shock Jock was very good fun. That was with Mark Gracie. Say his name with pleasure. <laughs> that man's a little legend. Shock Jock, if you didn't see it, if you didn't have cable at the time, um, uh, was uh, 1980s uh, radio station. It was basically based on John Laws at 2UE in the 80s with all the money flying around. And it was it was a hoot to do. Just great. And fun to play in drama instead of just comedy, comedy, comedy. Great fun. But but it also, it, I mean, it, it was sitcom format. It it had the gags, unlike Funky Squad. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, and it did well, but it was also one of the first uh, drama slash sitcoms produced mm. directly for cable television in Australia. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that was very exciting because no one had even thought of it. But uh, on the whole, uh, the the budgets that you'll find that are now being funnelled into new projects on cable are budgets that have to be spent on Australian drama because that particular channel will have a certain amount of, of drama content on it and so they've got to fork over cash. Uh, before, they were just sending the money to whatever film was being made at Warner Brothers or whatever or you know, being 10% of the budget of some big series. But yep. um, now more and more on the Comedy Channel are doing this. Foxtel are getting behind their own projects. Stupid, Stupid Man, written by Tim Pye, who's just, you know, fantastic writer. It's a really enjoyable series. It's a great series. And, you know, it's on the ABC now. And people are... The worst thing about that is people think the ABC made it up. But it was, you know, Foxtel and TV One, people like uh, Selena Crowley, who works there, who was the first one to put her head on the chopping block and say, OK, we won't put it into, uh, you know, Moby Dick 3 being made in Queensland. Let's make our own stuff. And uh, are you going to uh, go back to, to television at some stage? You, you know, you've, you've been a producer, you've been a, a yeah. commissioner, you've, you've been an actor. I'm not really... I'm not really all that interested in having my face on TV because, you know, I was kind of famous and that was kind of fun. But it's not what I live for. So at the moment, the last five years, I've been concentrating on writing stuff. I want to move into films and and that sort of thing. And and writing is, it's wonderfully cathartic. And uh, I think it's what I've always wanted to do. So I figure, why not? I can relax and... Just type my own little projects. Got a couple of books on the go, and uh, yeah. So, but, so I'm not, you know, banging on TV doors saying, "Here's another concept. Here's another concept." They've got my number. There's no point in me going round and trying to flog things to them. They know what they want, and um, and it's a horrible world to work in. It really is. They're all so terribly good looking. <laughs> Well, you, you you were the gorgeous one, Tim. Don't forget that. I was, but look at me now. <laughs> Corpulent. This isn't sweat. <laughs> this is... I, viewers, you can't see what's happening now, but if, you, if you're having trouble seeing the image on the web, that's my back. <laughs> <laughs> T- 
Tim Ferguson, thank you so much for, for joining us on, on Box Cutters. You're going to be appearing on Saturday, the 29th of March at 3 p.m. at the Town Hall for the Comedy Festival's Axed program. How do you know all this stuff? That's, I've got it written down. That's amazing, Josh. And, and I, I, I stalk you. Uh, and uh, also the Doug Anthony All-Stars DVD series will be coming yeah. out shortly. Das Gold. Ask your friends. Not me. Because, you know, <laughs> I've told you. I don't know when it's coming out. We look forward to all of that. Thanks so much for joining us, Tim. No worries. Thanks, guys, and thanks, Triple R. Hi, it's Pete Smith. They're not really naughty boys. They're just box cutters going about their business. Emerald Falls aired last Sunday night on Channel 10 at 9 o'clock. Although, uh, according to the, uh, the the guide, it was scheduled to start at 6 past 9, and it must have started a little bit early because I missed the very, very beginning of it. Ah. Whereas uh, I got uh, about the last 10 minutes of uh, So You Think You Can Dance Australia? Right. Right. Uh, so I think I think you just call it Dance Australia. Just to, you know, if you're in the know. Okay. Uh, re- really? Come but on, I'm come not, on, come on. I, I we, don't watch it, so... We, uh, time is precious here. We can't spend all our time saying so. Well, you in, think you can In fact, I, I keep just, on seeing it re- referred to as S-Y-T-C-D-A. That's if you're reading it. But if they're doing it as a station announcement, for example, there's a movie coming up afterwards, they'll say, whatever movie, right after, dance. Really? Is that what they say? Yeah. Really? How sad. How sad for Channel 10. Uh, Emerald Falls uh, was uh, written by uh, Tim Tim Pye, uh, who you heard Tim Ferguson mention, Mm. and uh, someone Strickland. Catherine Strickland? Shirley? No. No. Uh, And uh, and directed by by veteran TV director Peter Andrikidis. Andrikidis, who has uh, directed uh, Underbelly, East West 101, Blackjack... That horrible Mary Bryant, uh, grassroots, basically anything in Australia has been directed at one stage or another by Peter Androkidis. And Tim Pye has written heaps of stuff like Stupid Stupid Man. Uh, Lockie Leonard, he's written an episode of Blackjack. He wrote the short-lived or not-lived at all, The Cooks, uh, White Collar Blue, Wild Side, Medivac, Water Rats. So it's got quite a pedigree uh, coming up for it, Emerald Falls, but... For some reason, it just feels like, well, let's call it tree change, because there's no C. It stars Georgie Parker, uh, who plays Jodie Ferguson, a woman who uh, uses the money from her divorce settlement to move to the Blue Mountains and open a bed and breakfast. But the town she's moved to is filled with dumb secrets. Dumb secrets? Yeah, they're dumb secrets. They're, they're not good secrets. Is it actually a town? Well, like the, the B&B seems to be out on a cliff face somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's a couple of cops, but, but you don't actually see... I, I didn't see a town. But I didn't see a town either, but there must be a town because there's a church, there's a doctor, there's a bed and breakfast, there's a taxi service. It must be a mm. town. There's mm. a train station. Mm. It must be a town. We just don't ever see the town which is odd. We do see lots of the Blue Mountains. The Blue Mountains are beautiful. Lots of time-lapse uh, shots with clouds going through valleys and suns coming up. And Yes. Well, this is uh, the local doctor who, who doesn't seem busy enough to, to actually be a country doctor. Cause anything we've heard about country doctors, they just run off their feet and, uh, and have horrible lives. That's only because there's only five people living within 50 Ks. Maybe that's it. He, uh, he dies suddenly and Jodie Ferguson and her son, played by Tom Green, 
no, not that Tom Green, a younger Australian Tom Green, are the first to find the body. The son has, for some reason, amazing sleuthing skills and starts to solve the mystery of the dead doctor while the rest of the town are introduced to us through their grief of losing their friend, the doctor. And there's another one that was sleeping with him. Yeah. There's also this matter of uh, Vince Colosimo, who is playing a character named Ned Montoya. And, uh, and the son is suspicious of Ned Montoya quite instantly just instantly suspicious of him because he found him camping in a no-camping area in the bush. Well, you've got to be suspicious of somebody that specifically sets up a campsite right next to the sign saying no camping. Well, that's true. Maybe they're just rebellious. It's, it's always possible. Maybe they're just, oh, I, don't, I don't believe in these rules and laws. Someone's going camping. Chances are they are a hippie and, uh, and, and, and you know, want to flat the laws anyway obviously a very heavy sleeper uh given that uh, he wasn't disturbed by the young tom green uh, opening up his tent flap and taking a picture of him no that's that's right and like i said dumb secrets these really are dumb secrets in, in this town and uh i it i i think it's a shame that nine never went ahead with little oberon because mm. i can see a lot of similarities between this and that uh and that that was a lot more interesting than than this was. Uh, the son tries to solve the murder of of the doctor, manages to. It's, oh, it was that guy all along. Who knew? And uh, and there's, uh, you know, minor intrigue and a, a few shenanigans that go along along the way. Uh, people acting a little bit silly, but also people acting a little bit clever. And just not really... I mean, it's light and, and it's funny, but there's there's nothing in it. There's, there's nothing in the series. This is uh, another attempt that Channel 10 have made at, at making drama. I think there are views to making this a series, although 10 have had a, a lot more success with series of telemovies like the Blackjack series. Uh, I don't know what their plans are with it, but it was also really odd that they premiered it during non-rating season. Oh, obviously, a, a symbol of their confidence in how well it would uh, go. You saw it, Brent. What 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 did you think? Um, yeah, I thought that Little Oberon was uh, was more engaging, and there is like there are just so so many similarities there that uh, you can't help but draw parallels. Um, I, I do enjoy Jeff Morrell. I, I I had hoped that uh, Reese Muldoon would be more of a central character in it because um, I do enjoy his work. He's the uh, the ex husband yep. of uh, Georgie Parker. Um, and I wasn't sure as I was watching it whether this was uh, intended to go run, roll into a series or uh, if it was just a standalone telly movie. Well, it, it really smells of a pilot because we get introduced to a lot of the characters, but we don't see much of what the characters are, are actually like. And, uh, and there are allusions to future potential storylines. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely opening up threads such as uh, Montoya wanting to buy out George Parker in the... Uh, in the bed and breakfast. B&B. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and Jeff Morrell obviously has to find a, a new uh, assistant in the police station. Spoiler. Uh, it's been on TV. Okay. There's no spoiler. It's been on. I uh, had it right. It didn't. It's non-ratings. Well... It's officially non-ratings, but there are there are still some ratings. There are. I, they, they still calculate it. I don't know. There, uh, the uh, being a public holiday, uh, no emails came out with the uh, with the ratings. I don't have access to uh, to the ratings Eighth themselves for the nights with eight hundred and sixty thousand. Not too bad. 
Well, eight hundred and sixty thousand for a Sunday night. What did what did the repeat? Uh, what did the you know catch up episode of uh, dance? Right, dance uh, nine eighty eight fifth for the night. So it it dropped a lot, but it is uh, it was after nine o'clock. And what one the night? Seven news and uh, Vicar of Dibley after that. Vicar, Vicar of, of Dibley. Dibley. Mm. I think that says it. <laughs> I think that says it all. So this is seven uh, screening Vicar of Dibley. Right. Which is which is why it's a non-ratings week. <laughs> you know, n- nobody's really paying attention to television, and uh, mm. and also Channel Ten didn't really promote it much. They they didn't try to sell it. They uh, just kind of put it on, hoped that people would see it. I, I don't know why they did that. See, because uh, my wife watched it, and I think she's probably watching it as we speak. Uh, sorry, she taped it. Yeah, and think she's watching it now. But uh, she said, "Oh, it's got Georgie Parker." She's like Lisa McCune. I don't think that's true. I don't think she is like Lisa McCune. I don't, I don't think she's got the same pull as Lisa McCune would have. I think if Lisa McCune was in it, they would have got a, a bigger mm. audience. Yeah, I think, I'm not I sure. think you're right there. After I, Navy Seabird? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think Lisa McCune, people still love Lisa. I think Georgie Parker. But they don't love Georgie. Has, has she made a fool of herself too often on unscripted uh, panel shows? I think that's possible. I think also people didn't love Nurse Terry as much as they loved uh, Lisa McKean's character on on Blue Healers. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it was a, All Saints was a, it was a popular ensemble show. I don't think it was liked for her as much. No, as yeah, as with as Blue Healers. Yeah, Maggie so uh, I think uh, I, I think you're right there. I think Lisa McKean would plus count the logies. Yeah. two versus seven. Or something. Yeah, no, that's that's fair as well. <laughs> because the Logies are the be-all and end-all of scoreboards. What else have you got? Bring something else on. <laughs> what, what, what have you got to match it? Come on. Don't knock the Logies, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> They're an yeah. Australian institution. You can go do the red carpet this year, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's Emerald Falls. It was on last week on Channel 10. We don't know if or when we'll it, it ever would, see any more. It would seem like it, there's probably not going to be any more at this stage. We haven't heard it. It hasn't been announced that it's a following series or anything. No. No, and they, they were really testing the waters with it. I don't think uh, that they found the waters to their liking. Mm. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Have you guys seen the uh, the latest Wizard Home Loans ad? Uh, no. It's got uh, the the Wizard Home Loans guy, Mark Boris. I think his name is. You know, he's very uh, very much a, a self promoter. He's in most of the ads. Uh, this one starts off with an image from a TV screen, uh, and it's one of their old ads. And then it goes to footage of him saying, "Oh, you see, that was then. This is now. Changes. Blah 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 blah." It's out of focus. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it's really quite disconcerting. I haven't seen such bad production values since I can remember. Maybe he's television. just a bit soft. <laughs> like that uh, like, uh, character from Robin that Woody Williams Allen, in from that Woody Allen film. Maybe because uh yeah, it's it's quite distracting. And uh I mean, he, he, they they're always cheap ads anyway, but I think that uh that's going a little too too cheap. Possibly. Oh, God, talking about cheap ads, Arthur Daly's, uh, which seems to have uh, spread into Melbourne from Geelong uh, with a couple of guys, um, 
talking about tell me tell me something else that's cheap arthur and the old guy kind of spruiks something and then he he goes don't call me arthur call me dad and it's got the names of these guys that that own the business um very poor production values very kind of country tv Oh, I haven't seen it. What what time is it on? It sounds like a middle of the I night. I think it one. might have been on during Emerald Falls last night. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. I really I, I fast forwarded through all the ads on uh, on Emerald I did, Falls. I did through most of them. Uh, interesting that uh, the pay TV subscription people uh, are starting to use rating systems other than Oztam. Uh, they're they're, they're going to start using their boxes to record. Uh, the, people watching shows and i think uh, they're sick sick of writing asterisks yes on most channels but also uh giving feedback on who skips ads yes and also time shifted shows as well um and so and that may uh, have some impact on uh, the free-to-air uh ratings um if if they can come up with a system that actually captures that of the viewers that are selected uh, for the surveys then uh well Cable TV are saying that um, it could uh, ring a bit of a death knell for uh, free-to-air commercial TV stations because uh, the advertisers will actually see how many people don't watch the ads. CSI. CSI is an interesting franchise. They, They have three shows. All of them pretty much... There's only three. God, it's on so many times I thought there were dozens... All of them pretty much identical. I read on uh, TV tonight that uh, CSI has been pulled and will be replaced by Missing Persons Unit. Here or, or in the States? Uh, in the, uh, here. Here. On Channel 9. Okay. Uh, so that was Miss- only a matter of time, wasn't it? It's not, not- uh, isn't there everybody over CSI? Was, I haven't been able to sit through one episode. Is it, what's the one with Anthony Lepagli? Is that Missing Persons no, no, Unit? No. no, that's... Without a Trace. Without a Trace. That's right. Missing Person Unit. Is, is the reality one. a reality one. show. Mm. Well, CSI are also going to be doing a... Live stage show. What? I know. <laughs> uh, this is uh, it's it's going to be an interactive stage show that allows audiences to witness a fake crime, and then be guided through a whodunit. It's how to host a murder on stage. Pretty much uh, witnessing a fake crime. I think they're witnessing a real crime right there. <laughs> uh, it's going to be uh, at uh, the Six Flags Amusement Park Magic Mountain. So uh, it's going to be a, a half-hour show <laughs> at Magic Mountain. Ridiculous. Absolutely right, right ridiculous. Right between the Police Academy show and uh, the Wild West stunt show. Yes. Somewhere in the middle of it. Uh, one of my favourite shows from last year is back on American television, at least, The Riches Season 2, uh, somewhat truncated because of uh, the writer's strike. It's only going to be seven episodes. but Oh, great, that's a shame. Great to see that back. Sorry, I was drinking. I was drinking water. I, I couldn't tell if you're that's a shame was sarcastic or if it was real. No, no, it was real. That's that's a shame that right. it's only going to be seven episodes because it's a, it is a really good show. Yeah. I think we, we spoke at the time how I was expecting it to not be, mm. uh, particularly because I don't like Minnie Driver. But, but no, she's fantastic. Yeah, it works out, works out really well. Surprisingly good. And uh, congratulations to uh, Channel 7. Uh, non-ratings have come. They've just dropped Lost after uh, six episodes rather than the eight that got shown in the US and at this stage haven't rescheduled it. Mm. What the hell? So I, I presume they're going to... I presume when the other ones come in or around then they'll start showing, you know, the final... Because there's another five to come. 
from the US. So yes. I presume they'll just show seven at that point. But who they've, really knows? They've lined up Ghost, Ghost Whisperer in that uh, slot. Oh, you'll be pleased with that. You're friend. very happy with that. Look, look at him smiling. <laughs> look at him smiling over there. As long as they're new ones. I was, I was a bit fed up with uh, the repeats. You say that, but you'll watch them anyway. Uh, Jericho has been cancelled despite the nuts. Cancelled for a, uh, a second and final time. That won't be coming back. They say it's final. And there are rumours that uh, Friday Night Lights has been saved. So uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. that. That would be good. Both of those things would be good. <laughs> uh, Jericho was never a good show. I don't know why people liked it. I really, I really don't. There, it seemed like there was nothing to like in it. But uh, well, there, was, there was a big mystery. Uh, Apparently, I didn't see any. The of doctor s- was a fraud. Did you know that? I didn't see any of the second series, <laughs> but uh, apparently it was a much lower budget, and it was on its way out anyway. So you know they really they really didn't put their heart and soul into their right. eight episodes or whatever it was. Of and then series they two. and then they blame the zany fans for uh, not having enough of them watch it. Yeah, yeah, that that works out well. And that yeah. brings us to the end of Box Cutters. Episode 125. I want to say thanks very much to our guest, Tim Ferguson, who was excellent. Thanks uh, also to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. Again, no quiz this week, but uh, as uh, some of you may know, when we have a a, a special guest in... They get the goodies. They get the goodies. Uh, So thanks very much to Crumpler. They make bags and stuff for us to give away to you and our guests. They're very good to us. You can check them out at crumpler.com.au. Also, thanks to 3RRR. Don't forget to send your quiz questions or, alternately, quiz answers to uh, hooray at boxcutters.net. Yep. Yes, we, we do want to know what your quiz questions are. Or answers. Or answers. Sure. Yeah. We may use them. So if you send them in, they may be used. But, <laughs> but then you can't answer them. Yeah, okay? you can. Well, anyway. <laughs> no, they can't answer their own questions. And we'll know who sent what in. Well, that's, tr- that's true. <laughs> 3 triple R can be found at rr.org.au. They are one of the greatest radio stations in the world. Mm-hmm. If you like this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store uh, to the Box Cutters page and write a review. It will help other people find this podcast and uh, they can enjoy it too. Or just give it to your friends. If you're interested in what I think about the comedy festival, I've been covering it on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash sealfur. That's S-E-A-L-F-U-R, Sealfur, twitter.com slash Sealfur. You can have a look at what I reckon about the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Mm. Until next week. Is that week, uh, language advisory on that? Uh, no. No. I've uh, So far, I don't think I've had any swearing on it. But I also haven't seen anything bad enough to, to warrant it. Maybe this week and is the week. you're not really sick enough yet. Yeah, no. I'm only, I'm only just quite sick. I'm not horrendously sick. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Mm-hmm.